playbook. It's a private practice playbook. Playbook. We're back with part two of the previous episode, the number one indicator of a wealthy bank account. If you have not yet listened to episode 19, go back and get caught up before you start this one. In part one, we learned that money is not about luck. It's not about the school you went to or the neighborhood you came from. Every single person can attract money if they want to. And in part two, Jay's about to dive into the how. How do you shift your mindset? How can a private practitioner in a town of any size with any number of competitors outperform any corporate office down the road? How can you multiply your money in a creative way? How do you get rich? So let's dive in. I'm going to kind of go through this. And so the first one is it's not about wanting it. Theoretically, everybody wants it. It's about paying and delivering the price to get it. Those are two completely different things. One of the things I think is interesting and I think true about a lot of people, particularly today, I had a very wise person say to me one time, you know, and subsequent people that I had referred to them, they talked about the concept of wanting to be famous versus wanting to be rich. And I think a lot of people, oh, like poor these poor kids today, they think famous means rich and really famous means depressed. <laughs> I mean, so what's going to be so sad is these same kids that study fame don't study money. So the number of kids that have watched the Kardashians grow up is substantially greater than the number of kids who have picked up the books I picked up when I was 18 years old and read over and over again about the rules about money. I mean, think about if you got kids, right? Or even your own team. So the desire is not enough. It's got to be the desire and the effort. And you have to decide that you're okay with that, okay? Now, when we think about some of these rules about money, I wanna talk about this idea of how you get rich, because a lot of people don't understand this. And I've got some really great news for you at the end of this podcast that you're gonna really like. Give everyone more in use value than you take from them in cash value then you are adding to the life of the world by every business transaction. So for instance, I know these rules very well. And one of my rules at the Scheduling Institute is, why, why would we ever offer a product that didn't work better for the client than we say it's gonna work? Now, if you're not a client, you've never bought a product from me, I don't think you'll believe that. But if you understand the rules of money, that's the way it should be in your business. I mean, and if you don't even, if you can't even articulate the rules, here's what I can tell you, you're not doing it. It, it has nothing to do with sometimes what people think it is. People fall in love with their products. They fall in love with their services. You say, well, is it valuable? They say, yeah, and everybody thinks they're great. They, but they don't really, they don't always study what the customer thinks and what the customer wants. 
I mean, and again, I mean, you can take a, I mean, hey, a box cutter is a box cutter, a box cutter. What's, you know, you can buy a box cutter a lot of places, but the one from Amazon that shows up uh, at your door, right? That's why Amazon, that's adding more value than they're taking in money. So give everyone more in use value than you take for their money. So that's why, for instance, in a doctor's office, I mean, we are the best at transforming the patient experience. This is what's funny. You guys, you got to have an amazing experience. It has nothing to do with you as the doctor. It has everything to do with how the paperwork gets filled out, how I'm greeted. Did they smile at me? Did they make me wait? That's use value. I mean, you could go to two places and the doctor could be the exact same, all things considered, but the two doctors are convinced they're both great, but the patient wants all the other stuff. It's like, how long did it take me to get out of there? Did you offer me a drink? Did I know where the bathroom was? Did you put me at ease, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Use value. Did you make me feel special? So your business has to give the pay. In your case, the patient has to get more than they pay for. In our case, it's the same thing. If you buy something from me, you have to get more than you pay for. Now, there are two basic types of people when it comes to this. And there's the creative and the competitive. And let me explain these two. Uh, you know people in each. Um, I was at a charity fundraiser the other night and they were doing a live auction. And I intended on donating some money to these people because it's for a, uh, it's a little group that provides mobile dentistry for impoverished children in Walton County, Florida. And so I, I, I kind of, I went to the fundraiser knowing I want to donate money. And so they're doing this auction and they auction off some items and I buy some things and drive up the prices on some things and feel good about that. And they get to the end of the auction and they're like, okay, now we're just going to raise money. And so they started out and they, they, they started with, would anyone like to donate $5,000? Mm -hmm. And so, and then, you know, he quickly went to 2,500. And so, I was ready to give him a hundred thousand, right? And so I was like, so I walked around and I whispered in the guy's ear, like to one of the guys who works. I said, "Listen, I'm going to give you a hundred. So he walks over and whispers to the guy, "We just had a hundred thousand dollar donation. So why would I give them a hundred when they were asking for five? Okay? Well, here's why. Because I'm not competitive with money. So you're either competitive or you're creative. Now watch, this is, and, and I obviously have the money, which helps, right? But, but it's more important to understand that it's not about having the money, it's about your nature with the money, okay? So for instance, in my pocket is a wad of $100 bills that I always carry, and I hope none of you will come and hunt me down. But if you really need the money, I guess that's what's gonna happen. So, and so why do I carry a wad of $100 bills in my pocket? Is it because I'm competitive with money or I'm creative with money? 
Okay. Why would someone not carry cash? Okay. Let me ask you that question. Is it possible that people don't carry cash because that way then maybe they don't actually have to tip people because actually they're more competitive with money? I mean, think about that. I mean, do you like to give the money away? And we're going to talk about gratitude. And by the way, it is incredibly important in earning, having an, a, a level of gratitude, right? I mean, it is one of the fundamental keys. And it, it has a huge impact on this creative versus competitive nature with money. So let's walk through them. So in the competitive nature, which is the negative one, here are some of the things that you would, you would do. Number one, you would think there's a limited supply. So I would never give a charity $100,000 because if I give them $100,000, then I'm going to be without $100,000. That's a mental construct in my head. The create, now I could juxtapose it with the creative construct, which is what I believe, which is that that money is supposed to circulate and... If I give them that hundred, it will come back to me in some form or fashion. I'm really not particularly worried about it. That's the creative nature of money, competitive, creative. So if, so for instance, think about your parents. So if your parents, you know, let's say you're a little older and your parents have passed away, go back and ask yourself the question, did your parents ever, were they creative with money or competitive? Now, if you hold all of your money until your death, no one in your family knows what they're, if they're going to get an inheritance. Nobody knows how much you have and you hold it all and then you die. And it's that classic will reading and they read the, read the will and then it's distributed. Were you creative or competitive with your money? Come on, you were holding it up until the point of death. I mean, that's competitive. Do you believe that when you spend money on something, that then that's money you'll never get back, never be able to do? I'll, so many doctors do this. They think it's one thing or the other. It can never be two. That's competitive nature. If you think that the guy with the best practice or gal with the best practice in town is taking your patience, you're cuckoo. You, that's your competitive nature talking to you. If we send out a letter to all hygienists saying there's a great opportunity and we send that to one of your hygienists and she shows it to you and you get all pissed off and you say, I can't believe they're recruiting my hygienists. Uh, no, they weren't recruiting your hygienist. They bought a list of hygienists. They didn't know you're the one who's competitive. That was a creative exercise. Listen, most people are competitive when it comes to money. They believe there's a limited supply. They believe they have to hold on to it, right? They don't understand the rules. The only time you learn the rules is when you start to become creative. And one of the major elements is generosity. 
So like the only way to have an amazing practice is to become generous with your team. You have to train them. You have to expose them to things that are healthy for them. That, that's creativity. You know, if, if I say, hey, take your team to this event and you go, well, I don't want to spend the money. Is that your creative nature or your competitive nature? It's your competitive nature. The creative nature says, I'm going to take them to this event. I know they're going to have a high energy and a knowledge base, and that money's going to come back to me down the road. That's the creative side of money. Just hear me loud and clear. Most likely you have a competitive nature with money. And it develops, you know, if you think about it, pretty much everybody with a lack of would have that naturally. That's why if you study generosity, generosity clearly doesn't, it, it says become generous. It doesn't say become generous when you get rich. As a matter of fact, it's the trap. You will never be generous if you wait till then. And you'll probably never be rich. And when I say rich, again, we're talking about whatever an abundance means to you. It's not always about money. So, you know, it's funny, even in why people, so for instance, oh, my whole life, I always would buy whatever information I needed and I knew I could take the information and translate it into something else. That's the creative nature with money. You know, we, we hired a firm the other day to come into our uh, public relations firm to come in and, and to do something for me. And you know, it's a big project and it's something that I don't really think I can do. And that's creative nature. I mean, competitive nature would be to say, well, I'll just do this myself, even though I know I'm really, there's no way I could possibly be this good, but it'll save me money by doing it myself. And then what I would do is I would do it wrong and it would not work. So you have to do things in a certain way. When you do not do them in a certain way, you are doing them wrong. So for instance, a lot of people, I, if I look at someone's business and I, I, the first thing I would do is I would look at the service and I could look at the number of new patients and I could look at the money and I know instantaneously they're doing everything wrong. I mean, it's not, and, and they're sitting there convincing themselves they're doing everything right and that they're just, oh man, it's my neighborhood or my economy. No, it's none of those things. You are doing things wrong and your mental construct is not correct. I mean, this is good news. Please do not take this as an, a, a, any kind of an affront. Like, it, it's not about being offensive. It's, it's simple. In my daily, in our business, right, it was like yesterday, I'm in a meeting. And I mean, it's just clear as day to me. There's a group of people and we're talking about something and I'm going, the the number wasn't right. So like the number of the statistic, the, the thing that they were responsible for just wasn't right. It was actually going the wrong way. It was not increasing, okay? Like increasing is what you want. So if, you're, if your new patients are not increasing, if your collections are not increasing, then that's not the universe out to get you. That's that you're doing it wrong. And so I started 
digging and digging and digging. And sure enough, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is hilarious. Like, they're totally doing this wrong. And I could see on their faces, they're so scared. But I'm sitting here so happy because I know formulaically when something isn't working, it's because you're not doing it right. So here's some good news for you. And by the way, if, if you go start a practice and you don't know what you're doing, most likely you're going to do a bunch of stuff wrong. And for most of us, any of you out there who have, you know, lived a pretty good life and you've, you go back and you think about it, it's like, you know, the things you did wrong that then you figured out how to do right. It's like, it's like being married. I mean, you get married. I've been married for over 25 years. I mean, I did a lot of things wrong. And I, the only way to figure out sometimes what the right thing was, well, it's to do something wrong. And then you get a little better. And, and you may have some wisdom in this, but please don't think that if you're not getting what you want, that it's something besides this. Don't you dare ever think that. And I'll tell you the people who can make this the most confusing is when, you know, you think your job is to listen to your team. You know, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. They don't know. So it's like one of my favorite things, like when a doctor who has a terrible practice, not making a lot of money and they're going into debt and they just listen to the team. Like that is the most moronic thing you can possibly do. And I can't tell you the number of times it'd be like an office manager. And it's like, well, wait a minute, this place is going bankrupt. What do I care what she has to say? I mean, she's the one making it go bankrupt because there literally are times when human beings will defend doing something wrong over and over and over again. Okay. So please, you and me are both very, very capable of doing that. And it has a horrible effect on economics. And when you are doing things right, here's what you need to understand. Here's the key. If you create value, then money follows value. So when you have a, an amazing office that creates an amazing experience, that the patient, not you think is good, but the patient thinks is good. And then money naturally follows. So it's all you got to do is concentrate on finding the right customer, figuring out what value they want, and providing a lot of that. And that's the other funny thing about a lot of doctors who, for instance, they think, you know, that the quality of their work is the key and not scaling it, right? It's a lot more impressive if you can actually have two of you doing the work, not just one of you. So this is like a mental tune-up for you. Another one is, do you have the right business? So if you have a bad business, this will not work. So if your business does not, and by the way, I see this all the time. Somebody loves, that's what I meant by they love their idea. So you can love your idea all you want, but that has nothing to do with it being valuable to a customer. So please remember, you got to be in the right business. And so what I will tell you about any doctor's office of any kind that's a good business because there's a defined value. There's lots of people who want it. It's just finding that sweet spot. Okay. So what does a person look like 
who provides more value than they take in money. And when, when they are met with a competitive mindset person, what occurs? So like everyone who listens to this podcast, okay, you ready? If you're creative, you have a creative nature, you're going to listen to it again and again and again and again. If you have a competitive nature, you're going to be sitting here going, you probably already stopped listening and you're going to say, Jay Geyer is out of touch with Des Moines, Iowa or San Diego, California and my team and my special, special, special circumstances. <laughs> Wrong. Not true. That's your competitive nature. You got to develop a creative nature. So again, you listen to a clip talking about gas prices and you have a competitive nature. You want to know what you're going to do? You're going to go buy a stupid gas can and store up gas in your garage. And every time gas prices drop 20 cents, you're going to go try to buy some. I mean, that's exactly what a competitive person does. They don't believe that, by the way, money is designed to multiply. So money is designed to be invested and then the investment creates a return. Like in business, you have to realize you got to invest money in things and then get this magical return. Most competitive people are horrible at tracking the investment. I mean, because I've, if you don't think I've had hundreds of competitive doctors who will actually hire me, we get great results with them. And then they say, well, I think this would have happened without you. Like, yeah, right, pal. Yeah, your whole seven new patients a month you had when you hired us, and now you're getting 32. Oh, that would have happened. You know, they, they, what, but what it is is they don't want to pay the fee because they're competitive with money. They'd rather, they, they'd rather have it go ease its way back to the seven. And this isn't, I mean, and I'm just trying to give you real-life examples, Right? I mean, this is prevalent everywhere. It's like the, the team member who will not make improvements but thinks they should be paid more money. Is that a competitive person or a creative person? If you have one hygienist and that hygienist never wants you to hire a second hygienist, is it because she's creative or she's competitive? Well, it's because she's competitive, and therefore she's actually just destroying and choking your business is a doctor who thinks that they're the only person who can treat patients under the, this single roof. Are they competitive or creative? Wrong. They're, they're competitive. I mean, you got to have some, you know, when I can drive down the road and see 17 other people doing the same thing as you to think that you're the only one who can do it under your building. I mean, that's nothing but a competitive nature. Hey podcasters, hope you're enjoying the episode. I wanted to pop in real quick to ask a question. How do you plan on creating more in value for your patients than you take in cash value? Whether you're in a town with one competitor or 20, there's something that the winning practice in your town has that others don't. 
they have an amazing patient experience. Your practice success has nothing to do with you as the doctor. It has everything to do with how the paperwork gets filled out, how your patients are greeted, how friendly your team is, and how quickly your patients are served. That is use value. To find out if your practice is providing more in use value than you're taking in cash value, take the Five Star Challenge today at www.fivestarchallenge.com. It's a resource completely free for our listeners to find out what the patient experience is actually like in your office. Your results will not be based on opinion. They'll be based on facts in an audit report conducted by a five-star experience auditor that calls thousands of private practices across the country every single month. Take the challenge online today at fivestarchallenge.com. When asked who referred you, just put podcast. Your results will be mailed out within seven to 10 days. Good luck. Now let's get back to the episode. So we'll close it out with a couple of last ones. And in order to pull this off, right, here is a, in the book, and here's the great news for you, there's actually a book you can read. We've been going through it today. It's called The Science of Getting Rich. And if you would read The Science of Getting Rich more than you listen to CNN or Fox News or some other competitive, ridiculous person who you listen to, you could learn this stuff. The physician who holds the vision of himself or herself as a great and successful healer and who works toward that complete realization of that vision with faith and purpose as described, because you got to have faith and purpose, it will be phenomenally successful and patients will come in throngs. Why in the book, The Science of Getting Rich is the only profession gets mentioned as a physician. I find that kind of funny. I'll read it to you again. The physician, the doctor, who holds the vision of him or herself as a great, so here's the question, are you a healer? Because the only doctor that I want to go to sees themselves as a healer because there's no way they don't give me more value than I pay them. Or do you just see yourself as like, like you're a robot? Do you dress like a healer? Do you look like a healer? Do you talk like a healer? Do you act like a healer? So, you know, if your view is, well, I think it is totally ridiculous and any person who promotes their business must be bad, that is the dumbest thing any person could ever say. And I don't care if I offend you or not. If you think that a person who promotes their business is bad, you have a competitive nature and it's pathetic. Because the truth is, if your business was good, you would go promote it. Does that make sense? You would stand on the top of a building. You would scream it as loud as you could. Because if you could heal people, then, then you would let everybody know you could heal them. Don't you dare think like this judgmental version, you know. And listen, there are a lot of doctors who have a competitive nature. And it's sad. I mean, I, and you got to get rid of it. You got to develop your creative nature. And here it is. Do you really see yourself as a healer? And are you working toward that complete realization and vision with faith and purpose? And if you are, you will be in 
such close touch with the source of life that you will be phenomenally successful and patience will come in throngs. Then you'll have to hire an associate and they'll have to see the extra patience that you attract, right? I mean, I, I, listen, if you got a business, I got news for you. I can make it more successful. I'm like a magician. I know things most people don't know. There's something weird. I got some kind of weird gift. I mean, I can make you rich if you want to become rich. I can change your team if you want to change your team. I mean, I don't have, I'm not bashful about it. And if you have, and if you don't believe me, you probably don't believe me because you have a competitive nature. You probably think I would have to lie to you or something. That's how pathetic competitive nature is. Competitive nature is like a mental construct that you're a cynic about everything. And listen, I'm, I am cynical, but I mean, when there's evidence, then it is what it is. So, that, so what I'm trying to get you to think of is how, when I say something and it enters your mind, your response to it dictates whether you have a creative or a competitive nature. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. That's not the purpose of it. So you have to get out of that competitive plane into the creative plane. You have to deliver more value than you take in money. You have to see yourself as a healer or they, another term they use is an advancing person. I mean, so, you know, you go back to why you got a $100 bill in your pocket, because here's how this works. I'm going to go through my day today, and if any single person does something special, I'm going to break out and hand them a $100 bill. And you know what? And they're going to go home that night, and they're going to be like, you're not going to believe what happened to me. Some guy handed me a $100 bill. And they their mind starts to open up about, like, humanity, and maybe that's the person who really needs that $100 bill. The other day I stopped in at this little breakfast shop, had a little cup of coffee, I had a couple of minutes, I was hungry, uh, grabbed a bite, you know, the bill's five bucks, leave them $100, right? They come, I mean, I'm not doing it. It's creative nature. Tell me creative nature. That, that night I gave that $100,000 to that charity. I saw those people the next day. The woman who founded that charity 27 years ago came up to me and she was crying and she was like, that was the most inspirational thing. I needed that. I want to thank you. Listen, she's the one who inspired me. That's creative nature. She's trying to give it to me. I'm like, listen, you, well, I gave you the, I didn't say this, but the reason I gave her the 100 is because I'm, when a creative person comes in contact with another creative person, great things happen. When two competitive people come in, in contact with each other, nothing happens. When a creative person comes in contact with a competitive person, eh, it's marginal. So you want to know what you want to know something about your best patients? They're not they're not the competitive people. You don't want them. I don't want them. I mean, literally, if you're a competitive person and you have no interest in changing, you are welcome to listen to my podcast free. Don't ever come close to me. I mean, I don't want to know you. I don't want to be around you. There's nothing attractive about it at all. Don't hire us. You're, you'd be a pain. But if you're a competitive person who goes, man, I know this is a sickness. I want to get rid of this. Then I'm glad to help you. But understand, I can't. You have to be committed to becoming a creative person, a person who understands the rules, a person who makes things better than you leave them, a person who's not a taker, who's a giver.
I love, I met this guy, I was at some convention, as like a, a generous givers or something. This guy's family had a funeral home and he was talking about, you know, he's so funny. He was like, you know, my parents talking about generosity and and I used to work at the, you know, the funeral home as a kid. And he said, I remember sitting in the back one day talking to his dad and he said, dad, how come some people have a lot of people who come to their funeral and some have none? And, and he said, my dad looked right at me and he said, well, he said, son, that's really a great question. It's the difference between a taker and a giver. He said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, when a person dies and a lot of people show up, it's because that person their whole life was giving people things. If it was energy or information or compassion or money or grace. or And the other people, they were taking it. And they're just taking it. And they spend their whole life just taking things, you know? Kind of like why a prisoner ends up, if you take someone's stuff, you you know, you end up in a box by yourself, right? I mean, there's that. think about it. That's the, that is such a perfect analogy. We started talking about that. It's like, if you take other people's stuff that's not yours, right? That means you didn't give any value for it, right? And we're trying to change the, it's funny. I love the way we're trying to change the laws of like making taking okay. It's pathetic. If you take somebody's stuff, you should get in trouble. You won't take it again, in my opinion. So it's not like you think it is. The truth is you ought to look at a person who does well and you ought to be incredibly curious about what on earth do they think like? And you better check every incorrect assumption you've ever been taught because most likely it is dead wrong. And I got to be honest with you, I've studied people a long time and some of the most, I mean, it's incredible what creative nature does. This gal who started this charity, you know, it, it's a charity that they, it's a mobile unit and it goes out and it serves, it goes to schools and it serves kids with no money. And I got to meet a little gal who is gonna become a dental assistant. And she decided to become a dental assistant because she had met the hygienist on this van at her school some, you know, like 12 years earlier. And it had such a huge impact on her. And she said, you know, no one had ever talked to me in my family about taking care of my teeth until I met these people. So listen, even as a doctor, you better remember something, right? So you got to remember that, you, you know, sometimes you get, you know, you think every person in the world is like the people that you're around. I mean, it's not true. There are people who no one even bothers to tell them how to take care of their teeth. It's crazy. I mean, we built a free clinic you know, we've, I support free dentistry in lots of different areas. That's creative nature. I mean, I take the profits of growing people's business and then reinvest it back. That's creative nature. What are you doing creatively? Look at your team. Do you have competitive people working for you or do you have creative people? We get to work with some of the coolest team members you've ever seen. And they got energy and passion and they love what they do. 
And a lot of that comes out of who they work for. It's a great profession. Have fun with it. So, we just walked through a book called The Science of Getting Rich. Now, remember what I'm saying to you. You may be turned off by that title, so that's why I didn't start that way. But you can Google it. It's out of print. You can print the book if you want. If you want to study it, fine. But I gave you a lot that you need to get to work on. If you have a creative nature and you want help, reach out to us. We're glad to help you. We're glad to help put you on the road of what do you do? You know, like what are the things you have to do? We figured them all out. We've been doing this a long time. I mean, so we know what you have to do. All right, that's it. We'll talk soon. Take care. Bye. And that's a wrap. Stay tuned for a new episode next month. In the meantime, I invite you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. A five-star review is the greatest compliment, and we hope we've earned one from you. And hey, if there's a certain topic that you want Jay to discuss on an upcoming episode, even as soon as next month, send me your ideas and I'll bring them to our next content creation meeting. You can email me at contact at podcastfordoctors.com.